Um, I'm the lead pastor here at City Light, and I see some new faces. Welcome. So glad that you're here. I don't know if you're here because you got the mailer and heard about the series that we're doing, The Problem of God. If so, that's awesome. I'm so glad you're here. A friend invited you. But uh, uh, our, our vision here is to seek love and care for people like Jesus does. And, and a big part of that is being part of conversations like this. And so we're spending, uh, we started two weeks ago, technically, we're spending the next four weeks talking about um, the problem of God. And we're coming out of a book called The Problem of God by um, a guy named Mark Clark. He's a a pastor, theologian, philosopher um, in Canada, actually. And so he did a book about ten, the, the 10 problems that kind of come between people and Jesus, people in God, people in faith. We're going to tackle five or six of them. And so today we're going to be talking about the problem of science. And, you know, uh, we put these videos ahead of time just to give uh, some, some context to what we're talking about. And what you see is there seems to be um, faith or science, that kind of seems to be the rhetoric of our common modern culture, that faith and science is not uh, something that works together. So I want to talk about that today. Are faith and science mutually exclusive? Are they an either or, or can they be a both and? And I want to just tell you guys that um, I I talked to my shirt in today because we're talking about science. I wanted to appear smarter than I am. So How's it working? You guys feel, you feeling it? Okay. Um, I was actually a very good student. Um, I often tell my kids that um, of all of my skills in life, being a student is the best thing I'm at. You know how you have like s- certain spheres where you're really good? That's it. So as soon as I graduated college, my life's been going downhill ever since. Um, in high school, I was a straight A student, literally only A's. The only class that I got a B plus in, and we're talking by .01, it cost me the valedictorianship, which I'm still bitter about. I know the other guy, and I will tell you all about him. He did nothing else with his life other than study. I was on the soccer team, the basketball team, yearbook. I was in two plays a year. This kid just studied physics all day long and beat me by .01. Yes, I'm still bitter. His name's Dave. Okay. Um, <laughs> The only class I didn't get an A in was physics. And so I figure I'm highly qualified to talk on science since it's the only class I know nothing about. So today, I'm going to do my best uh, to talk about this. I'm not the smartest guy. I'm not a scientist, okay? I'm, I'm definitely not even close. Although I was raised by one, so that counts, right? Close enough. Okay, osmosis. Um, something that's great about my dad, we were just joking about this. My dad's in the room here somewhere. Uh, he's an engineer, chemical engineer. And he... Um, You know, scientists love to figure things out, and I didn't know this until I grew up, but scientists also like to fake it when they don't know what the answer is. And so my dad has always had an answer for everything growing up, and I just for like the first 15 years of my life thought my dad was just a genius. But what I realized is my dad's just a really good guesser. That's it. That's it. He comes up with these. We had had one recently. Have um, Have you seen before the snow came the little lines on the road? It's a new thing. They they they. And I was like, Dad, I, you know, I was like traveling back in time, I felt like I was 12. Dad, what are those little lines? We were driving around. He was like, well, son, I believe that they are salt water, that they pour concentrated salt water. And I was like, wait a second, is this one of those things? But no, I told him, I, told, I believe that one. What do we think? Is he right? Okay, see, that's what I thought. Sometimes, you know, there was a time, yeah, good job, good job, Brad. There was a time when, uh, when we, were, we were trying to pick out paint uh, many years ago, yeah, and, uh, and I was like, Dad, there's this, this paint says eggshell on it. What do you think that means? He's like, I think that's the kind of when you paint it on it, like, does that crackling effect. <laughs> I, if I'm going to tell a good one about you, I got to tell a bad one, right? Definitely not, it does not crackle. Uh, it's, I don't know, I don't know what it was, but we, it, it didn't crackle. We used it. Um, okay. 
you can tell I'm avoiding this, right? You know what else? Let me tell you what happened yesterday. So, no, okay. So faith and science, are they mutually exclusive? Um, I think I want to deal with first a misconception about Christianity, an overall misconception that we're going to get into two points, and that's going to be the, the talk today. So first off, I think that popular culture believes that Christianity or faith in general is anti-intellectual and anti-science. And um, even, you know, people like Richard Dawkins will say things like, faith is even like a mental illness, a great cop-out, the excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. This is, I think, um, a misunderstanding that's been perpetuated by both sides of the debate, if you will. Because I think there are Christians who talk in such a way as to promote this. I think there are Christians who sound and argue in unintellectual ways, and they hurt our cause, they hurt my cause. And I think that there are also people on the other side who, um, who don't give credit to the studies of philosophy and theology like they should. And so we want to talk about our faith and science mutually exclusive. Are they an either or, or could they be a both and? But first we need to deal with this misconception. Is Christianity at its core anti-intellectual? Is it just blind faith that we're talking about? So three things I'd like to say about this. First, I believe this is a misconception because And when I say misconception, there may be Christians who have acted like faith is anti-intellectual. But that doesn't mean that Jesus is anti-intellectual and that followers of Jesus should be. So first off, God calls us to use our mind. Jesus was approached by some teachers of the law and they said, what is the greatest commandment? And And he said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and with all your mind. And here's the concept that we need to grasp is that the mind is from God. If, if we believe that there is a God and that he created us, he created man and woman in his image, right? That's, that's the great, beautiful concept that we discover in Genesis and that, you know, um, theologians for years have talked about that Latin term, imagio die. It's so important that we're different than the animals because we're created in the image of God. So we have a mind because God has a mind. And he calls us to love him with our mind. This is some Christianity, I think, X's that verse out. And it's just all emotion. And it's all blind faith. But we're meant to be thinkers. We're meant to be intellectuals. That actually thinking is worshiping our creator because he gave us the mind. And he commands us to love with our mind. Love God with our mind. Second, God is not a stupid God. All right? He's not an idiot. Colossians 2 says, my goal, is, and this is, um, oh, I wanted to give a caveat real quick. If, you're, if you've never been to City Light, our, normally our teachings are, are more application, life-based. We talk about one basic idea, one scripture, and we're going to just drill down into how does that change the way I should live on this earth. Now, this series is a little bit different. I'm going to be throwing up like 45 slides today. That's not my norm. Just so you know. So Colossians is written by Paul, who wrote majority of the New Testament letters to different churches in different cities, and he says this. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Right? So he's praying. He's talking about wanting to lead people to know God fully, not just in faith, but in understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, So the mystery part he's talking about is the mystery of how God can come and and incarnate into human form and die for our sins and raise from the dead. That's a huge topic for another day. That's what he's talking about. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So the Christian teaching, if it's to be um, 
authentic to Jesus' teaching should be, all knowledge has its source in God. And we are called to follow and worship God with our minds. Christianity should be intellectual. To say Christianity is anti-intellectual or anti-science should be a misnomer. It's, it's wrong. It's outside of the context of what Christianity should really be. So it's a misrepresentation, a misconception. Third, in fact, historically, Christianity is fertile ground for science. And this is, this is true, but you might have heard different. And there are people, and I'm not going to go into this, and I would encourage you, if this stuff interests you, you should buy this book, Problem of God. He goes into it further. There's resources online that you can find too. But there's a, there's a modern argument that Christianity has been anti-science forever, and it's just simply not true. See, Christianity, compared to all the other major philosophies and religions of the ancient world, was the fertile ground out of which science was able to come. Christian theology, this is Mark Clark, the book we've been reading, was the garden out of which modern science grew because it presented a world with distinct form, complexity, and design. Christianity challenges us to experiment with what we see, believing there is order and uniformity to the universe. In other words, we're not afraid of science because science shows us the hand of God. Right? If, if we really believe that God is the creator, if, if before, you know, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, if we believe that, then God's fingerprints are on everything we will discover. So science shouldn't scare us. So do you remember when we have, uh, had the professor from the University of Delaware here um, about a year and a half ago, Dave Martin, Dr. Dave Martin, he was up here. And this is basically what he said. He said he loves science because the deeper he goes, the more he believes in God. No other worldview, philosophy, or religion of the ancient world offered this unique perspective that Christianity did. So just briefly, some worldviews that existed kind of, you know, in ancient time and still are around. Why, why is this argument sound? Just, I want to just go a little bit deeper because it's interesting. Animism is believing that everything is God, right? That when God created, he put himself into everything, trees and all matter and rocks and streams. The problem with this is if everything is sacred and is God, then you can't tear it apart and dissect it and study it because it's deity. Polytheism is the way that you can explain anything you don't understand by God, right? So there's bubbles in the ocean. Why are there bubbles in the ocean? It's Poseidon, right? He's always beside himself. Bubbles in the ocean. Okay. Sorry. Who, who liked that one? Anybody? Anybody? All right. I got a couple. All right. All right. That's good. I felt good. All right. So polytheism, you know, anything you don't understand, you chalk it up to a God. Buddhism doesn't believe that, I mean, believes that the world that we're in right now is an illusion. You know, that there's, there's this state of getting outside of reality that we need to achieve. And so why would anything we would discover be worthwhile? Because it would be an illusion. And lastly, even Judaism and Islam, um, similar to Christianity in a lot of ways, but they are more textual and law-based and, you know, less uh, based on the relationship with God who commands us to kind of go out and rule the world with the gifts that he's given us. And so all of these fall short, but Christianity has these things that, that drive us towards science. Think about this. The Bible tells us that the laws of nature exhibit order, patterns, and regularity. You can read multiple verses throughout the Old and New Testament that tell us this. We read a verse last week that said, uh, basically, that the, uh, the, the heavens declare the glory of God. Actually, that's a different one. I'm reading that today. There's, there's one in the New Testament where Paul says, all we need to do is look at the creation, and it will show us the invisible qualities and divine nature of God, that basically, as we study 
creation, as we study nature, as we learn more, we, it reveals more about God because there is order and patterns and regularity. The world is good. When God created the earth, according to the Old Testament story, he said it is good. So it's worthy of careful study. It's valuable. Human beings are valuable and possess the ability to discover God, in fact, the fourth one, encourages us. You know, the, the story of creation in the Old Testament is that man and woman were put on earth and called to rule over, to take care. Now, now rule over, you know, that's been misinterpreted. Um, it doesn't mean to take advantage of. It means to take care of. We were called to take care of the earth, to learn the earth, to be stewards of these resources. So deep within the Christian tradition and the Christian heritage is this sense that, that science and intellectualism is actually should come out of who we are. It shouldn't be an antithesis to who we are. The popular picture of Christians being scared of science and deep thinking has simply never been true. That's just, I just want to get that misconception out of the way. In fact, if you study any of like early, uh, you know, American history with the Jesuits. Um, they were this awesome Christian uh, group that traveled all over the world, and they really felt that part of their call was to create educational institutions f- so that Christians could become the cream of the crop of society, because they felt that was our call, to be the intellectuals, to be the scientists, to be the philosophers, to lead the world. And so all of these were started as Christian institutions, and the Jesuits were a big part of that. Okay, lots of stuff there. Bottom line, What we're going to be preaching here is that fact-based science is not perpetually at war with faith-based religion. They are not at odds. They don't have to be an either-or. They can be a both-and. And in fact, I think that Jesus, as revealed through the Bible, teaches that, that science and faith should go together. So I have two points. First is that science can and does lead people to faith. And then we're going to switch this in a little bit and say that faith can and does lead people to science. So instead of them being mutually exclusive and driving people away, science drives people away from faith and faith drives people away from science. No, they actually come together. And I want to try to prove those to you. And I want to say, like, you might disagree with everything I've said so far. I don't know. I mean, you might disagree with stuff I say. I'd encourage you to email me. I don't know, you know, if you all emailed me, it might take me a while to respond. But if there's a few of you out there who have questions, deeper questions, I would love to um, forward you on to my dad and he'll guess. Okay. So uh, no, you send it to me and I would, I would love to start a conversation and I, maybe even we could get some coffee. So first off, uh, the American Association for the Advancements of Science poll in 2009 polled scientists and found that 51% of scientists believe in some form of deity or higher power. So you might read that and be like, well, that's not impressive. Okay, here's the thing. If science is, if the deeper you go into science, you discover that faith is just for, you know, uh, crazy people or people who refuse to be intellectual or people who live with their eyes closed, then most scientists should be anti-faith. The more you know about science, the more you understand faith is just for, you know, just for the weak and the, the feebly-minded. But this isn't true. 51% of scientists who, who de- delve into that, they have a belief in a higher power. 30% of them, it's a personal higher power, like, like Christianity. 7% of scientists, so add on top of the 51-7, are more agnostic. They can't make a decision about it. And so actually, this, the atheistic scientists are the minority of scientists. And what's also interesting, I find, is that this number goes up in the hard scientists 
and down with the soft sciences. So what that means is that like, if you're studying physics and biology and astronomy, astronomy? I always say the wrong one. Is that the right one? Okay. Um, it's a higher number of scientists. So as you study creation, as I would say, you know, the nature of the world, there's a higher percentage of, of scientists who believe in a higher power. And those who study people, it goes down. It's interesting. A lot of things you can think about there. We'll just move on. All right. So Stephen Jay Gould is a celebrated atheist, evolutionary biologist, paleontologist, and historian. I don't know how you get that many things, but that guy's smart. I think that's what that means. All right. Um, and so he's an atheist. He's trying to make this point that science really can't disprove faith, that it has no place in doing that. To say it for my colleagues and for the umpteenth millionth time, science simply cannot, by its legitimate methods, adjudicate the issue of God's possible superintendence of nature. And uh, like a couple of us are like, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I read that like seven times. Uh, Right, so what he's saying is that science has no right being the judge over whether God exists over nature or not. Science can't say that. It's outside the realm of science's authority. We neither affirm nor deny. We simply cannot comment on it. And so this is, I I just find it fascinating because here's the thing. Science has its limits. Science knows what it knows but it can't know what it can't know. And good scientists know that. There's things that science is great for, but there's things that science simply cannot answer. So for instance, we talked about the Big Bang last two weeks ago. Science can really learn about the Big Bang and explain things that are just so beyond me scientifically. Very interesting. You know, like the whole idea of, I'm going to say probably the wrong words here, but entropy, like the amount of energy that's in the universe is actually going down, which shows that there was a finite beginning. If we were eternal, that energy would have run out by now and we wouldn't be here. Did you follow that? Me neither. Okay. So, but in the beginning, there was a beginning. And scientifically, we can see that there was a beginning, right? That's what we talked about two weeks ago. Science can't answer who, if there was a who. It can't answer why, if there was, is a why. Those are things that are metaphysical, right? They're outside of the physical realm. Science has its limits. And for some of us, and for some scientists, in fact, a lot of scientists, those limits point us towards God. There's this interesting uh, work that, I didn't read this, I'm just be honest with you, I wish I could just pretend and say I read this, I didn't read it, but um, uh, this guy talked about how every human being is trying to answer these four questions. Who am I? So what is my purpose? Why am I here? Okay, where am I? If you're asking that question literally, you probably need some help, but uh, uh, you know, where am I? Like, where and what is the purpose of this area of the world, of, of all of the meaning of creation and space and all of that, right? Not just personally, but more on a larger scale. What's wrong? What is blocking me from achieving my destiny or from becoming who I'm meant to be? And what's the remedy? Is there anything that can fix that problem? People answer these. All people have answers for these. That doesn't mean if you're a believer in Jesus. It means all people. See, the thing is, all people have faith, even if you don't think you're a person of faith. Atheists have faith. Agnostics have faith. They have faith in what they think. They have faith in science. They have faith in what they don't believe. And so we're all trying to answer these, and science can't answer those. So the fact that science has limits. Now, here's what Christians do. You don't wanna, I don't want to say like we're antagonistic 
Yeah, well, science can't answer everything. Like, that's just so immature. Like, the fact that science has limits shows us that there's more and should lead us to couple science with our faith. This guy was the successor to Hubble, who did the Hubble telescope. He was an atheist, I believe, who became a Christian. It is my science that drove me to the conclusion that the world is much more complicated than can be explained by science. So his, his science, his endeavor to know and to learn, revealed the hand and heart of God to him. See, science shouldn't kill your theological curiosity. It should spark it. The more you know about the universe scientifically, the less you know in some ways. And it should drive us to seek that. And, and it has for ages, for ages and ages, people have delved into philosophy and theology. There are answers that, that are, dwell in the realm of theology and philosophy that don't dwell in the realm of science. And that's why they can work together. So science can and does lead people to faith. And I would argue that faith can and does lead people to science. Remember, I'm trying to answer the question, are faith and science mutually exclusive? You know, if you're, if you're in on science, you can't follow Jesus. Because that's the thing, right? How many times have you heard that where someone said, you know, like, I just can't believe in God because of science? Which I think is like a blanket term. And I would wish I knew, like, well, what, you know, that's a huge word. What science specifically are you talking about, right? But that's a block. Science is a block. Or intellectualism is a block for people and faith. And I think it's a false block. And, you know, there's, 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 it's our responsibility as the church to remove as many barriers between people and God as we can. And if, if this is a barrier, I want to work to remove it. So I think science can and does lead people to faith. I think faith can and does lead people to science. And this is, this is a psalm that David wrote. David was one of the most popular, most famous kings of Israel in the Old Testament. Had a lot of foreshadowing. David's uh, writing had a lot of foreshadowing to who Jesus would eventually be. And so he says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Remember what we're saying, faith can lead to science. So if you believe in God, it should lead you to learn. If you believe in God, it should lead you to study. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. It's poetically saying, when you look at all that there is to study and learn in nature, in, in science, in space, the cosmology, as you go deeper into biology, God's fingerprints are everywhere. And there is knowledge that will be revealed so if you believe in God, let your faith lead you to science. Now, there's two problems with this whole thing I'm trying to, the, the both and, okay? So I'm trying to say it doesn't have to be either or, that it can be a both and, that science and faith can work together. And if you're here today and this has been an issue for you, hopefully some of this has given you at least, you know, I don't think we're going to solve anyone's problems in one talk, right? But hopefully we can just give you a little, a little seed or a little something that you can hold on to or that'll take you another step to think a little bit more about this. My heart is that when we get through this, things like science wouldn't stand in the way. And some of the things, maybe you've even heard Christians say we could start to deal with that were like so black and white about if you don't believe this, you can't follow Jesus. So here's two problems that I think you could be sitting there thinking, yeah, Christian, this is really nice. I like how you're trying to weave science and faith, yada, 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 right? But, but honestly, Christian, what about this? So here's one. 
Evolution, naturalism, people who believe in those argue that religion is a false construct. You've probably heard this. Where does religion come from? You know, it's a false construct that's been created over millennia and it's just, you know, kind of a crutch or the opioid of the people or whatever you want to say. Okay, so is this true? And, and I, I read some interesting argument about this that I, just follow me on this. So if religion has come out of evolution, so we've evolved, let's, let's, let's walk with this. Our minds have come, are, have come out of you know, the, the long process of evolution from animals to humans, and our minds have evolved to where we are now. And all of the thoughts that we have ever had as a humanity have evolved. They've come out of that process. Think about this. If one of them is wrong, it stands to reason that others could be. And this isn't just like, well, you know what? Out of the, how many billion, there's like six billion people on earth, right? Out of the six billion people, there's a hundred people who believe in religion. That's an anomaly. No, like the majority of people over to all of time on the earth have believed in a higher power. And so this is one really big false construct <laughs> that we have evolved to believe. And the problem with evolutionists, naturalists picking that one, this is the thing. They're just picking faith and saying that's the false construct. But there's no evidence to back that up. There's no reason or logic around why that construct is false and evolution itself isn't false. Guess where evolution came from? The same place that faith came from, our brains. If we evolved to come up with the idea of religion, we evolved to come up with the idea of evolution. Which one's right, which one's wrong? Maybe they're both wrong. Maybe they're both right. Darwin himself knew this. Within me, the horrid doubt always arises whether the convictions of a man's mind, which have been developed from the mind of lower animals, are of any value or at all trustworthy. And, and, and he's aware. That's why he's afraid of it, because that includes his very theory. And so this is, I think, an argument that we need to understand doesn't hold water when you think about it a little bit more. That just Evolution can't just pick faith and say it's false. We ha- it has to have a fair shake for both of them. And I actually don't think, and we've talked about this some last week, and we're about to talk about it more, just because you believe in evolution, I don't think that precludes you from believing in God, okay? So here, on the other side of this, some creationists say that Christianity hinges on the calendar day creation. This is a big one, right? This is one that I think a lot of people who are thinking people who are scientists might say, you know what, I just can't buy into this whole, you know, the earth is 6,000 years old. It was made in six literal 24-hour days. And then there's some Christians who will say, if you don't believe that, you can't believe anything in the Bible. Right? So listen, this one, this one I could pretty quickly offend some people. And I just want to just say, like, don't be offended. There, that help? Okay. Uh, we got to talk about this stuff. We got to talk about this stuff. And I think that one of the beauty, uh, beautiful things about City Light is we try to have room in here for people um, on, on different sides of a lot of topics, right? And we try to find the main and the plain. And what I mean by that is like, there are things that we want to really preach. Jesus, he's our savior. We're broken. The world's broken. He's the hope of the world. Things like that would be the main and the plain. In my humble opinion and also educated opinion, I don't think six-day creation is the main in the plane. And I understand why some people would feel that way. Like, if you, if you really, so here, here's where it comes from, in case you're curious. The Bible is inerrant. It doesn't have errors in it. It's perfect. Word of God. And so if you find something in it that's wrong, then the whole thing has to be wrong. 
And that's the thinking why some people think you have to believe young earth, 6,000 years old, six-day creation, literal creation, or you can't believe anything in the Bible. And so they will go, you know, they'll, they'll go to the, what's the, go to the wall, hit the mattresses, what, what is the, die on the hill, I don't know, there's some, there's some, any of those right? No, okay, but they'll, they'll fight for that. And, 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 I, and I respect that in the sense that they're fighting for the veracity of the word of God. Now, we're going to talk about the problem of the Bible here soon. And it's wildly interesting. You don't want to miss that week. I love it. I'm, I'm telling you, when you really understand why the Bible is and where it comes from and how valid it is, man, it just makes your faith that much stronger. But here's the deal. Is there any room? Let's look at the, let's look at the verse we're talking about. I haven't even looked at the time yet today. That's why you don't look at the time. It always says you're done. Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, listen, we could just plant ourselves here. The first verse of the Bible, this is no mistake. And this is what we talked about two weeks ago. In the beginning, right? So if, if before the Big Bang, what was the uncaused causer? Philosophers, philosophers have been talking about this. Philosophers. <laughs> have been talking about this for, for thousands of years. What, who's the uncaused causer or what is the uncaused causer? And the Bible teaches in the beginning, God. There was a who. There was a mind before there was a matter. There was a mind out of which the design came, right? So he created the heavens and the earth. We have that. We talked about that last week. And then what the scripture will do is it will go through each day and it'll say all these things were done the first day. So what do we do with that? Here's a couple ways that you can think about it. Just so you know, that there are scholarly people who think about this in a variety of ways. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to tell you what I think. But all right, so literal six day would be every day is an actual 24-hour period. So the whole thing was created in six 24-hour periods. And the other thing that goes along with this is the literal genealogy. So they look at some genealogies in the Bible and they map out based on those genealogies and they say every generation in the whole history of the world is in the Bible. And so 6,000 years old. Okay. There's other ways to think about it though. Gap creationism. Uh, this is where there's like really, really well-dressed, young, attractive people who created the world, okay? <laughs> We're not part of that, though. All right, now, gap creationism is where um, God would do one 24-hour day of creation, and then there would be a gap, maybe millions or billions of years, while things developed, and then God would do another 24-hour period of creation, right? Interesting. Progressive creationism is where God would create things that would progress over time. And so he would build them in, and then over time that they would create, become more of what they were meant to be. And this last one is the one I've heard the most of. This word here for day is a Hebrew word for yom, not for yom. It is actually yom. And it can mean day, 24-hour period, but it can also mean epoch or era. And so some people would say God's created over long days. So when you read the first day God created light and dark, that could have been 10 billion years of God creating light and dark, right? So the bottom line, the reason I showed you all that is because I want to just give you permission. If you're someone who's like, you know what? That whole six-day literal thing just keeps me from believing in Jesus. Ugh. 
that is not worth it. That's not the main and the plane. Pick one of these or whatever. Like, we'll work that out later. The main and the plane is the who behind all this, not the what. Sometimes I think we, we, we focus on asking the wrong question. It's not so much what, it's who and why. God created the who and the why. And he created you and I to rule in the earth and to be a light to the earth. All right, so the band can come up. We're going to do our, our last song. So the bottom line, fact-based science is not perpetually at war with faith-based religion. Obviously, this 35 minutes is not, you know, enough. We could go longer. But I hope we just like, like just a sprinkling out there. And maybe also if you're new to City Light or you're in City Light, and this has always been an issue for you in your faith over the years, you're starting to get a feeling for how a church can embrace science and faith at the same time. And is everything easy about that? Listen, everything is not easy. Who hasn't learned that yet in life? Some of this stuff is going to be hard to reconcile. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm pretty sure none of you were. Listen, some of this stuff, there's, there's tension and we have to be okay with holding the tension. I think some, some Christians get afraid and so they force away. And sometimes we just need to hold intention. Sometimes we need to say, I don't know and really drive people to the who and the why. Okay, and that's not to say like, you know, we should water down the message of the Bible. I think you can hear here that the scripture is the authority. It's the text from which we believe all that we believe. But there are certain things that we can get focused on that could block us from the most important thing. And the most important thing is, do you know the who? <laughs> do you have a relationship with the who? Have you discovered your why? Do you know why you're here? Because that's the really important stuff. So, do you know the who? <laughs> you have something to say? Oh, okay. Um, I feel like there's a rebuttal coming. <laughs> um, would we, could we stand together? What we do here at City Light um, is normally after the teaching, we give it just a, a response and reflection time. So that's what we're going to do now. Basically, we're going to sing a song. So if you want to sing, you can. Also, we offer prayer. So there's people over there who are ready to pray for you. Um, we have people who come early to church and pray for you. And sometimes God puts things on their heart. And today, um, they, they texted me and said they felt like there's a couple people who have been really struggling with doubt and fear in their life. And so we want to just encourage you, if that's you, just go get prayer today. Did we not send those around? We did not. Jonathan. It was you. <laughs> All right. Uh, we need to send the offering baskets around. So you're not allowed to leave until you give us money, okay? Uh, Welcome to City Light. Just kidding. But uh, the offering baskets will come around. So here's how you can respond and reflect. If you like the teaching, tons of money, all right? Uh, just kidding. So we're going to sing a song. Offering baskets come around. You can go get prayer, and then we'll come back up and close with a final prayer. So let's pray. God, I thank you that you are a God who honors intellectualism, that you honor that. God, in fact, that, that knowledge comes from you and you command us to love you with our minds. God, I thank you that science does not have to be um, antithetical to faith that they can work together. God, I thank you for the scientists and thinkers in this room, God. I thank you for the skeptics and the doubters in this room, God. I thank you, Jesus, that there, you haven't met a question that has scared you, God. I pray that as we go through this series, our faith would be strengthened. 
our relationship with you would be strengthened. Just if you could keep your eyes closed for a second, I just want to offer, if anybody here has never said yes to Jesus being the the Lord, the leader, the savior of their life, you might have been listening through all this and, and, and something clicked for you finally. Maybe you've even been in church and it just has never clicked. Or maybe you've been away from church for a long time and you're coming back and you need to recommit. I just want you to pray this with me. I just invite you to pray this with me. You don't have to pray it out loud if you don't want to. I'm going to pray it out loud. You can repeat it. Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose again to give me new life. I believe this salvation is nothing I can earn. Thank you for forgiving my sins. I invite you to lead me and make you Lord of my life. Listen, with everybody's eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, could you just raise your hand? We're not going to point you out or anything, but if you could just raise your hand. So here's the deal. If you raised your hand, um, we have these cards on that little black table right as you go out. No one's going to make a big deal out of you. Just grab that card. At the top of the card says, I raised my hand today. And you just fill that out. The same thing. You drop it at the newcomer table. It'll get back to me. And I would just love to email you and send you some resources. I think that faith is a journey, and that's just one step in the journey. But we want to be there with you in that. So Jesus, thank you. Be with us today. Be with us this week. Lead us and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen.